Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Colony Drop, your favorite Gundam podcast. My name is Isaac. And my name is Brian, and this is a podcast where we talk about anything and everything related to the Mobile Suit Gundam franchise, from the anime to the movies to the music to the models to the food to the clothes, you name it, we do it all, Isaac. That's absolutely right. And today, just in time for the holiday season, we have a very special series we're going to discuss. This series... It's it's got a special place in my heart. I think I speak for Brian when it says it's got a special place in his heart. Also, today we're going to be talking about which series, Brian? Mobile Suit Gundam 0080: War in the Pocket. When we discussed our plan to watch it, I sighed. When I was starting <laughs> each episode, especially the first episode, I sighed. And when the series ended, I sighed. And it kind of bummed me out. <laughs> for the whole day um but you know what that's kind of what i feel like it was built to do oh absolutely Um, i mean yeah what better holiday tradition is there isaac than watching war in the pocket (laughs) possibly one of the most tragic gundam stories uh ever at least in anime form the punch in the stomach out of uh, out of gundam series and it's really i mean this deserves the phrase mini series because it's only six episodes yeah i don't i was trying to think like because you, you might argue that there are other series that have maybe more more tragic elements to them, but I don't think there's another series that does it in quite a short of a, a time frame as this one. The, the other ones that I can think of that are maybe more tragic are like 50 episodes. This one's six. Yeah, yeah, and they did it very well. It's a fully contained story and almost like a really good side story. It can almost be, I wouldn't say ignored, but the events unfolding weren't critical to what happened in the main one-year war to the main storyline in 0079. Right, yeah, totally. Shall I give the uh, particulars, Isaac, before we dive in here? Do it, Brian, do it. All right, so 0080 War in the Pocket is a six-episode OVA series. It was released from March 1989 through August of 1989. As far as I'm aware, Isaac, the only way to watch this right now is on Blu-ray. I don't think it's available on any streaming network, and while in the past it has been on Gundam Info, which is the official YouTube channel for Gundam, I don't think it's on there right now. But it could come back in the future. Yeah, you know, or if you're adventurous, you know, maybe you can, uh, you know, look around. <laughs> there might be, <laughs> there might be different places you can uh, find it. <laughs> yes, as always, I only present the official uh, sources, and Isaac always reminds you that there are less scrupulous ways to <laughs> watch yeah, your show. You never know. You you gotta look around. <laughs> All right, so here is the logline, Isaac, from the Gundam the Official Guide, one of our favorite books. In the last weeks of the One-Year War, a team of Xeon commandos undertakes a desperate mission to destroy a prototype Gundam. Their pursuit brings them to a neutral space colony previously untouched by the war. Here, a small boy who is fascinated by weapons and war gets a chance to experience it firsthand and finds it very different from his heroic fantasies. That's pretty spot on, Isaac, I think. (laughs) Yeah, that, that leaves a lot unsaid, but that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It was, um, oh boy, I'm going to say it's the Romeo and Juliet of Gundam. <laughs> well, that's fair. Yeah, and I know a lot of people, you know, they might roll their eyes hearing that and and the whole meme of Romeo and Juliet, like how they, they fell in love, you know, by looking at each other for 15 seconds. Um, <laughs> but if you kind of boil it down to just the whole tragedy of young people on opposite sides of a conflict, you know, falling in love and then yeah. sadly dying, or at least one of them. <laughs> <laughs> It's very much the same tragedy. It's the whole series is really just a spotlight on the tragedy of war and how poor Alfred had to watch this and witness this. And then, of course, the loss of just so many lives uh, uh, for nothing, really. 
it's interesting you bring up Romeo and Juliet because now I think about it. When you first said that, I was like, oh, that makes sense because of the ending. But then I was like, oh, but Eighth MS Team is also a bit Romeo and Juliet. And then I was like, oh, wait, yeah. 0083 also has some Romeo and Juliet in it. What, what is what is with that? All three of our One Year War-ish <laughs> side stories have opposite ends of the war falling in love. I guess that's just a, is that a Gundam trope? Um, I, I think it's very much a, almost a human trope, almost, right? Like a boy meets girl. You know, or, or, or man meets, yeah. meets woman in this case. Or girl meets boy. How dare you, Isaac? <laughs> oh, excuse me. I apologize. <laughs> but um, if it's in a time of war, oh, man, then the consequences and the, the results at the end will be um, tragic and devastating. Yeah. So a few background facts, Isaac, before we get into the discussion. So 1989. That means this is the first OVA for Gundam. And, wow. and it was the first time that anyone other than the Godfather... Tomino directed a Gundam series, and the director of the series is Fumihiko Takayama, who also directed wow. several episodes of uh, Macross, it looks like, so you're in good hands there. But So this is kind of a big deal, Isaac. You know, this was released one year after Charge Counterattack to commemorate Gundam's 10th anniversary. And when you think about it that way, it's kind of nuts that all of that sort of main canon stuff that we think about for Gundam, and by that I mean you know, the original series, Zeta, Double Zeta, and Charge Counterattack, all came out with the 10-year period. And to put that in perspective, Unicorn is now older than 10 years. Unicorn started wow. in 2010. I feel old. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, you were supposed to take other things away from it. But yes, you can also take away that you are, you are in fact, old. <laughs> yeah. This came out 10 years after the original series. Mm-hmm. But animation-wise, it looks amazing. Like, the detail that they put into the designs, the ships... It rivals 0083, if not surpasses it in some scenes. It looks good in a lot of scenes. I think in some scenes it looks a little aged. I think feel like they put a lot of effort into the action scenes, maybe a little less yeah. effort into the non, non-action stuff. But it does look really good, especially when you compare it to the, you know, the original series, for sure. Maybe they didn't really know which way this was going to go when they were finally done with it. They got a home run, as far as I'm concerned. But yeah. that might be why they decided on having a story where... The events that unfold, the, the repercussions had no effect on the one-year war, really. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're going to test out the waters and do something different, it makes sense to do it in a standalone, shorter story, right, to see if it works. You don't want to hand the keys to the kingdom to someone else besides the creator and then say, go ahead, do your 50 episodes, and we'll see what happens. I mean, that's a big investment, right? So it, it makes sense to do a smaller thing first. And I'm glad it worked, yeah, Isaac, because if it didn't work then maybe we wouldn't have gotten things like Double Eighty Three or 8th MS Team. Yeah, definitely. Or they would have, I don't know, closed the book on the UC and said, you know what, Wing is doing great. Let's <laughs> <laughs> let's double down on After Colony. <laughs> yeah. So again, Isaac, this is only six episodes. It was fairly easy to write a very brief summary. So here we go. Ready? Do it. Ready. So at a high level, this is what happens, everybody, to refresh your memory if you haven't seen the show. If you haven't seen the show, this is going to end in a very big spoiler. (laughs) So I encourage you to go watch the show because it's only six episodes. All right, so Zeon finds out that the Federation is building a new type use Gundam. They send in one of their special forces teams called the Cyclops team to destroy this, what they think is the Gundam, before it gets to space. Right now it's being held at the Federation's Arctic base. Cyclops team fails... Uh, the Gundam is sent, or at least the container is sent to space, and one of the Cyclops members dies. The Federation takes the new Gundam to a colony called Lebo in Side 6, which is a neutral side in the One Year War, 
We don't hear about this a lot, Isaac. You can read about it in the lore, but you don't. We tend not to see it too much. I feel like, or people don't talk about it as much. But side six is called the Riyadh or the Riyadh Republic. In this show, they called it the Riyadh. I feel like they put a D on the end of it, but even though it, I don't think it has a D in the official um, spelling. But so it's this, it's sort of this extra republic that's neutral, and it ends up getting folded into the Federation after the One Year War. But for right now, in the One Year War, it was separate. So the Federation ships off their container there, the Gundam there, to to further develop it. Cyclops team figures this out. They go there too, and they are assigned a new rookie recruit to replace the person they lost at the Arctic base. His name is Bernie. He's going to be our, uh, I believe they call them deuteragonists, Isaac. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Bernie is is now on the Cyclops team. However, Lebo is also home to an 11-year-old boy named Alfred Izaruha, who is in love with the idea of war and being a soldier in sort of the most naive 11-year-old way. He thinks it's very cool, very fun, just enamored yeah. by all war, all things war. Draws pictures. He's got the whole little war video game. You know, in class, he, he does sketches of Zaku's and stuff like that. He's, yeah, more on that later. <laughs> <laughs> the Cyclops team, people infiltrate the colony, and Bernie's in, in a Zaku, and he gets shot down. And Alfred happens upon Bernie when he gets shot down. So they sort of befriend each other and they run into each other shortly thereafter. And Alfred keeps following Bernie because he thinks it's really cool that Bernie's a soldier. And he gradually helps Bernie and the Cyclops team locate the new Gundam. And the Cyclops team then assault the factory where it's being held with their mobile suit known as the, as the Kempfer. Probably one of the best one-year war designs of all time. Yeah. The Federation tries to stop them, but the Kempfer blows the Federation team away and then they're only stopped by Al's childhood friend and now acquaintance of Bernie, Christina McKenzie, who is unbeknownst to Al or Bernie at the time, the test pilot of the new Gundam, which is which is codenamed the Alex, or, or referred to as the Alex. The Cyclops team dies in this strike, except for Bernie. The Cyclops team's Zeon handler in, in Lebo informs Bernie that if the Gundam isn't destroyed by Christmas night, a fleet will launch from Granada and nuke the entire colony to ensure that the Gundam is destroyed. Bernie and Al set a trap for the Gundam to try and save the colony, but right before Bernie starts the trap, the Xeon fleet with the nukes from Granada are intercepted and surrender. But Al cannot inform Bernie in time, so Bernie starts the assault on the Gundam. And as a result, Bernie fights Chris unknowingly. While Bernie inflicts significant damage on the Gundam, Chris's Gundam prevails, and she takes Bernie's life in front of Al as he's screaming for them to stop. And then he just sits there crying, traumatized. As Isaac said, it's a it's a bit of a downer, and it will it will ruin your day. <laughs> Don't watch it on Christmas. <laughs> Definitely, again, like you said, one of the best self-contained stories I, I think we have, especially at that length. It's a dense series. There's not a lot of wasted time in episodes. Maybe episode five could have been trimmed down in some scenes. But other than that, a lot happens in a very brief amount of time. And for that reason, I wrote a lot of notes, <laughs> which is something I don't normally do. But it, it was such a, as tragic as it is, it was such a, a great story. Pretty powerful. All right, Isaac, let's get into it. Well, shall we just go from right. start to finish? Or I don't know how your notes are organized. Yeah, but. That's exactly how my notes are organized. All right. right. How, about, how about you? And then I have like some afterthoughts, but you know. Uh, yeah, mostly start to finish. So we start at the beginning, episode one. This was the battle at the Arctic base. Right, yeah. Here, Isaac, we got to see the High Gog, which was probably the best amphibious Xeon suit there is. Yeah, and I'm not big on blue, but I even like the color. Yeah. The way they modified it with its kind of squiggly tentacle arms, that was great. I agree. That design is fantastic. It's, uh, in general, 
this series has great designs from pretty much top to bottom. I can't think of a bad one, right? It moves so fast it needed its arm <laughs> to like grab the ground and break. Did you know? I did, I did. It seemed very <laughs> reckless, but it definitely worked. Yeah, or I mean, well, I guess they're kind of new, right? Because there's not a ton of high gogs. No, so yeah. M- maybe he was going faster than he clearly wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> he had no idea. He's just out of control, yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed the high gog. I think the Cyclops team took in three high gogs, right? And wh- the guy who died was named Andy. He was in a high gog, unfortunately, but... Yeah, yeah. The other ones took care of business, Isaac. The, the gyms in this battle are the cold district type, which I think are some of the best-looking gyms. But they, they still got their ass handed to them. I mean... <laughs> They acted like gems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a scene in the show, right, where Alfred's friends are giving him crap because he, he likes Zeon and he's, you know, because Bernie's Zeon. He's, he's become enamored with Bernie and his team. And they're like, no, the Federation's way better. And, and Alfred's like, no, the Zakus are they're way better. The gems are so wimpy. And I was like, first, Al sounds like little Isaac. And then, two, he's like, he's right. I mean, <laughs> this series has such a wide variety of gems in it. But in every in every instance, they get their ass kicked. Yeah, and I wrote down this might be the only instance of a gym shooting itself because <laughs> I forgot who was the one that did it. It might have been Steiner, but you know, the gym that's defending the base, its arm gets shot off at like the forearm, but like the hand is still pulling down on the trigger and the yeah, the arm dislocates and the gun spins back around and shoots up the cockpit. <laughs> yeah. And it was shooting itself for a long time, too. It wasn't like one shot. It was like four or five. Taka, 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 taka. I was like, yeah. wow, you you really screwed the pooch there, guy. Oh, man. Did you notice that each member of the Cyclops team has like a little pre-battle ritual? Uh, well, Okay, so Mikhail or Misha, it was he was the drinker, right? The yes. Yeah. <laughs> the drinker. Well, I mean, he, he would drink. That Was was that his ritual? The functional alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> Garcia, was it his bandana that he would put on? Right, yeah. Yeah, what does Steiner do? Uh, he lights up a cigarette. He's like a chain smoker. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Strauss was like Strauss was like combing his hair. <laughs> oh, well, a lot of good that did him, I guess. Yeah. I, well, I mean, he probably looked great when uh, Steiner took him out of the cockpit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. To the Federation's credit, though, they, like, fought to the end to protect that shuttle. Like, there was even a gym where, like, the booster rockets set off that I assume died. Right. right? So that was the one that that killed Andy or Strauss, I guess. Yeah. That was the one that killed him. And, yeah, I had the same thought. Like, the smoke and blast overtook it. So I assume that, at the very least, that gym, maybe the pilot didn't die, but the the gym itself has to not be functional after the battle given how close yeah, it was. If, if he was smart, once that shuttle was in the air and it was clear the base was destroyed, he should have just, you know, laid low until they leave back to the submarine. Yeah. But the Federation base, they, they were heroes. You know, they, they made sure the Alex got where it needed to go. And you know why? It was because the, if you remember at the very beginning of the show, Steiner says they're 15 minutes behind schedule. If they had just been on time, I think they would have won. Yeah, right? Because, yeah, the shuttle was fully prepped. The only thing they rushed was getting the Alex actually yeah, on the board. the container, yeah. One of the cargo guys said, you know, I need 10 minutes. And then whoever was still alive at the, the headquarters of the base said, you have five. <laughs> yeah. I also really like this, this part of the plot, Isaac, because at the time, you don't actually know what's on the shuttle. They haven't said that yet. You just know that it's something important and the Cyclops team needs to shoot it down. I mean, it's a Gundam show. You can infer that it's a Gundam. But I, I like that they didn't just tell us right they they showed us yeah the macguffin of the plot brian do you think if the cyclops team was early and they did get the alex are we going to just see an alex in zeon colors in an alternate timeline or would it just have been shipped back in parts to side three and ultimately 
while it would have given them some more technology and and know-how it wouldn't have helped the war effort at at all uh i'd have to know the date on when they left the arctic base because if it was only like a few days before they got to to lebo then i don't think it's enough time for them to really do anything with it maybe they could have shipped it and used it at solomon or or baku but beyond that i don't think it would be enough time for them to reverse engineer anything any way you cut it i think the war was over yeah yeah in this first episode, Isaac, we also meet Alfred, or Al, playing guns with his friends. He's so innocent. This show, watching it today as an adult, it definitely hits a little harder seeing, I don't know, violence increase in the world, I'll say. Yeah, we watched a few wars since we were kids, right? Yeah. So we had to go through the war on, the wars on terror, I should say, multiple wars. Yeah, you definitely view Alfred as being um, maybe the only child protagonist in Gundam and purely innocent. Yeah, he's also not a Gundam pilot, right? He's just sort of a, a bystander. So No, the only civilian protagonist, almost. Yeah, especially one of that age, too. Right, yeah, yeah. Can we assume, based on the conversation with his friends, which I thought was really interesting, they mentioned that they're having synth meat, synthetic meat. Mm. Um, that's what that's what their burgers were made out of. So I was kind of trying to read between the lines. Maybe you agree with me that the colony government for their side was... Th- things had gotten hard enough that they're using synthetic meat. So maybe that's probably why they looked the other way and allowed the Alex to come to the colony. Mm. Could be. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't yeah. catch that, but I guess that makes sense. It also could just be what people eat in those days. Maybe it's just cheaper to do that than to actually raise cows or whatever yeah i think his friends mentioned that you or or maybe al al mentioned that regular meat's better and you know they've only been having the synthetic meat pretty recently so yeah i mean that that makes sense the war's almost at its end so it's got to be at its worst for their colony poor al and his (laughs) friends i don't remember ever learning the name of the girl with ponytails but i like how she sticks up for herself and she gives um (laughs) <laughs> the guy that grabs her, the the boy that grabs her, she gives him a swift kick to the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> was it Alcott or, or Talcott or something? Or was that one of the boys? I don't know, but she's no nonsense. She's like a tattletale too. <laughs> she was. She really stuck to her guns. Like no, even like so, sometimes she would tell yeah. on Alfred and, and his friends and other times she would help him. Like whenever he was crying towards the end, she, she was like concerned yeah. about him. So she was like a, a real goody two shoes for, you know, through and through. Yeah. She has very rigid morals. So like that'll... Depending on what you're doing, that'll work against you or she'll end up helping you. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac, in episode one, when the fighting was happening in the colony, we got to see a green dom, which we don't often see. And I am oh, I understand that this is the colony attack color. <laughs> is that what it's officially called? Yeah, it's, we saw Rick Dom too. And, and yeah, it's called colony attack colors. It's like a dark green on the shoulder and waist armor and then a, like a light putrid green on the other pieces. I know yeah. you love your doms, but I also know you love your Xeon green. How did you react to the, the green dom? I specifically wrote, I am not a fan of the green <laughs> dom. <laughs> I mean, no, I don't like it at all. And he had he was a bad shot. He put that Panzerfaust like, shot straight into the ground. <laughs> you know, he didn't even, it was a terrible shot. <laughs> did you notice that just like in 83? The hangar and base security is so poor that a small child was able to get into the hangar bay yes. and like look directly at the shuttle. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Zero security is a continued theme 
in in Gundam. Maybe that's just like how they do it. They're just like, this is too difficult to explain. None of our plots are going to work. We'll just maintain that there's zero security everywhere in this timeline. But let's be clear. This is for the Federation only, though. Yeah, that's fair. We've never seen Zeon have this problem. (laughs) (laughs) But he was pretty clever for thinking on his feet and like... You know, the moment the the hangar guy confronted him, he said, oh, I'm just looking for the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> no, Al does that quite a bit. He, he does that in this episode. He does that when um, he realizes that the Cyclops team is going to kill that cop. He he says, oh, I, I lied to you, you know, Mr. Cop, sir. I'm just, this is my brother, and I haven't seen him in a long time. I'm sorry. And then he does yeah. it. He does it again at the end. Remember when um, Bernie's trying to get the heat hawk out of the shipping uh, oh, thing, yeah. and he's, he starts smashing the guy's car and becomes a violent protester. <laughs> yeah, he pretends his dad is dead, and you know says, "Give my dad back, you fetty jerks." Blah blah. blah. So yeah, he's a really resourceful, quick-thinking eleven-year-old. He has terrible grades, but in this, he excels. D- did you notice that his mom? <laughs> This is something only I would I would notice, but his mom, like the dinner she pre- prepared for him, was like a big rectangular serving tray <laughs> of I did like not stew know. or something. <laughs> okay, she like pulled it directly out of the oven, put it in front of him, and like he started eating. There you <laughs> so. go, kid. <laughs> yeah, this episode we also meet Christina. She's Alfred's friend child from childhood who who moved to Earth, but now she's back, and she says she got a government job, Isaac. Oh. She will later say, which I thought was one of the more clever lines of the movie, which I think is in episode, I don't know, two, three, or four. She says, oh, I just do data collection. I don't fight with a gun or anything. She's not technically lying. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was a test pilot. You know, they were just doing the simulation and stuff. She wasn't really using a gun. She was right. Yeah, so I thought that was clever. Yeah, to her credit, even during the gunfight, she never picks up a weapon. Like, maybe she wasn't trained in it or something, but she knows her really only... Her best chance of any situation in any situation is to just run to the cockpit. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but she's cool. I like Christina. She was very much like his. Uh, she see, I imagine when they were growing up, since there's such an age difference, she was like the surrogate big sister. You know. Yeah, that's that's kind of the relationship that yeah. I took from it as well. I mean, she seemed very you know girl next door kind of vibe. That seems like what they were going for. But this one obviously grew up and became very important success slash successful. Yeah, and it was a, clearly a platonic friendship because of like the age difference. So. Yeah, that might be one of the negatives of this series. If I had to list one, was that there just wasn't enough Christina. But I also just don't think there's enough time. They already used their time yeah. very wisely. I don't know how else we would have got more time. Yeah, she. We saw enough of her character to get a full 360 analysis of her. And God, Christina's great. Dare I say she was the first canonical female pilot? Well, no. No, no, no. Okay. But I, she's great. Maybe on the Federation side, actually, now that I think about it. No, that still isn't true. Yeah, whatever. Christina's <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah, I thought she was I thought she was a, a good, you know, refreshing character. Definitely wasn't the first female Gundam pilot, but definitely the, the most no. main character female Gundam pilot that we've had until Suleta from Witch yeah. from Mercury. So yeah. there was a, a ton in, in the, obviously, the original, you know, Zeta, double well, Zeta, but they weren't yeah. the title characters. It, it, it's This show doesn't really have one title character, so it's it's hard to say that she was a title yeah. character in this show. So she doesn't really count either, but I feel like she was closer than the rest, but that, I, I, I could see people debating that. Yeah, a- after the fight with, um, you know, the first f- attack with the Doms and the Zakus against, you know, a few of the gyms in the colony, I, for the life of me, I have no idea why the colony government 
or the Federation, uh, whoever got there first, left the Zaku there but just took the weapons. Like, that made no sense to me. Why would you leave a functioning Zaku just laying there? Yeah, I mean, they, they kind of elaborated on that a little bit later on, I think, on episode six. Apparently, they did the same thing to the gyms, too. Because remember, he had to salvage parts from the gyms that were also laying around? So maybe no. they just don't have the resources to go pick them up and move them? Huh. Okay. So, okay. I, I, I think I see what you're saying. So the heavy machinery needed to actually move machines of that size it just isn't in the colony because, I mean, why would it be? They're neutral and there's never been battles here. So that stuff is just isn't laying around. Yeah. I mean, they don't have their own mobile okay. suits, remember? Because when yeah th- later on, when the Kemper attacks, they the Federation's like, ah, you guys should do it. And so they send out their little like exosuits and those just get stomped. So yeah. maybe those exosuits aren't enough to you know to pick them up and move them. I mean, what else would you use to move them if you don't have your own mobile suit? It feels like you'd have to cut them up with like blow torches and then move the pieces or something. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. It doesn't sound like a good idea to just leave it there. Yeah, we hope that pilot doesn't come back. We'll just leave this here. That's <laughs> <laughs> nah, fine. What could go wrong? Yeah. Episode two, Isaac. Just a funny side note here. The the episode two's name is Reflections in a Brown Eye, which is maybe not the best episode title they could have come <laughs> up with. But uh, <laughs> this is the one, Isaac, where they get Bernie into the colony, I think, with oh, that transport God. ship, and they put a body next to him. No, they didn't put a body. They put a live person next to him, Brian. And then, <laughs> to keep up the charade, they had some like <laughs> some soldiers outside look at the ship. And like, yeah. I mean, they're ready to go before the body even got, before the poor guy even got there, right? Yes. And then they sniped into the cockpit. Good lord. <laughs> right in the head. Why wouldn't you warn Bernie? Or did Bernie know? But like, no, even if you know, you Bernie just can't prepare know. yourself for, you know. Yeah. Okay. No, Bernie didn't know. <laughs> I, I think because when they put it next to him, they told Bernie it was a body. And and then it, Bernie said something like, oh, I guess, you, you know, I guess you, you had bad luck today too, pal, huh? And then, yeah, yeah, then they shot him, and Bernie was like, oh. <laughs> I mean, credit to Bernie. He didn't overreact, I guess. But I mean, well, he was in shock somewhat, yeah. yeah. But that was pretty rough. <laughs> Brilliant, though, but rough. <laughs> yes. This is also the episode where we get to see the Gelgu uh, Jaegers fight, which is maybe yeah. the best Gelgu design. I mean, I know you like your Gelgu Marine. Do you like the Gelgu Jaeger more or the Gelgu Marine more? No, I like the Marine more, but the Jaeger's pretty cool, too. It's just, yeah, they put on a, a heck of a fight. My understanding, Isaac, is, at least per the wiki, that the, the Jaeger is slightly better than the Marine, but the Marine is much more cost-efficient, so they made more of the Marine. Probably, yeah. The Jaeger looks like it came out the end of the war. The Gelgu Marine was probably made way earlier. Jaeger, I assume, is just optimized for space combat rather than whatever special operations the Marines are actually going to be up to. Yeah, so if you're a Gelgug fan, you've never seen the Gelgug Jaeger, it's a pretty cool design. What struck me a bit odd about that design, Isaac, is that it, like the default is red. We don't have a lot of default red suits. No, no. But like, I like that it's not kind of Char's red. It's a bit more of a crimson-y. Yeah, it's like a deep red, yeah. <laughs> so, And its, it's rifle looks cool, too. It does. Kind of yes. reminded me of, of Gato's rifle for a bit, but just more... They, they were working much more on the, the miniaturization of it. <laughs> mm, yeah. And this is also where we see the gym command space types. I mean, this this whole show is just like gym porn, Isaac, because there's so many different gyms here, and they all look really <laughs> good. There's the Cold District Gym, uh, the Gym Command, which fought inside the colony, and then outside the colony fighting the Jaegers, uh, the Gym Command space types, which also look great. And then later we're going to get to see the Gym Sniper 2s, 
when the Great Phantom shows up. Again, though, the Jim Space types, I feel like they just didn't cut it against the Gelgoog Jaegers. No, I mean, th- they seem to do okay against the Doms and I think the Zakus, but a Gelgoog's a Gelgoog, you know. Yeah. <laughs> what can you do? I mean, I know you don't, you're not a gym fan, but do any of these gyms strike you as like, for a gym, that one's pretty cool? I mean, you know which one it is, Brian. We haven't seen it yet, but it shows up right at the end is the Sniper. Yeah, Gym Sniper too. okay. I mean, they didn't do great, but they look... It's the visor, pretty much. Oh, let's they be did. That's no, really, no, let's, let's, that's really let's all we clear. like. They did abysmal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think they got a shot off, Isaac. No, in their defense, though, like, maybe their training was, like, oriented around fighting Zakus or Doms. So when this, this lightning-fast <laughs> thing shows up out of nowhere with, like, beam shotguns and, you know, all kinds of, of special things, and it, it looks like it can be even more maneuverable than a Dom... I can kind of forgive them for for such a poor showing, you know? Yeah, okay, all right, that's fair, that's fair. Okay, so in episode three, this battle we see here is when Chris gets killed in the simulator by a dom. I was wondering, do you think that's a reference to the novel where Amro dies by a random dom pilot? Huh, I don't know, it could be, it could be. During that scene is, I think, also when they mentioned that the, the Alex is specifically built for new types and it's meant for a pilot on the white base, so that, that's that's your big, like lore moment right oh yeah was that when uh, christina got out of the cockpit and a guy kind of made like a comment to her or something like that yeah yeah oh man this show a lot of christina's scenes at least a few of them have have a pretty clear you know tone of sexism in it with the way she's talked to oh absolutely that guy in particular for sure yeah yeah and later on in the scene I'll, i'll bring up but man yeah she's pretty elite if she's been part of a secret project and they're developing this top secret powerful Gundam. You know, it's it, it's a little shocking to an extent. But I, I, then again, maybe I haven't, I haven't been through any experiences like that. So maybe it's not as shocking as I assume. I agree. I mean, they wouldn't just choose anyone for this job. I mean, it, no. does, it does seem pretty clear that maybe she doesn't have any real combat experience. But from my understanding, she at least was like, you know, top of her class or something. And like, that's why, you know, she was given this assignment. So... It's not like she's unskilled. She's just maybe not as experienced. Yeah, definitely. I bet she earned a rank by the end of the series or something <laughs> after what she pulled off, though. Yeah. Yeah. Especially given that she didn't even really use any of the real weapons that the suit has. She didn't use a rifle. Yeah. She pretty much just used two different types of weapons. <laughs> yeah. She, well, she yeah she used uh, both arm cannons, f- one on one day and one yeah. on the next, and then and then the, the saber. You know, it, when you think about the Alex, it, it's always shown with its shield. In, in all the models and stuff. But we don't even see the shield in the show. We don't even see a beam rifle in the show. No, we don't see any of that. Yeah. I, where were they? <laughs> I'd probably Storage? in a box. <laughs> yeah, un- <laughs> still packed away. Uh, hey, uh, going back to the hangar scene, though, uh, did you like how, how good of an actor the captain is and how, like, how he could cry on command? Oh, yeah, that was were, good. You yeah. know, arguing over the paperwork, and he was so thankful that, you know, the company wouldn't close. <laughs> yeah, apparently his company, though, is, like, super dependent on one sale with, like, one customer. So it didn't seem like his company was going to be doing very well yeah. if, if it was a The real late company. fees will kill them. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, man, you're, you're teetering there. If uh, <laughs> one set of overdraft fees are going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> but, Times are you know. tough, Brian. There's a war. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Christina's pretty gung-ho if... Okay, you remember the scene, right, where Bernie's, like, trying to get to Alfred, right? And he's, like, outside his house at night. Yes, yes. And and Christina knocks him out with a baseball bat. Like, she is pretty gung-ho if 
As a young woman, she was willing to grab a baseball bat, run out of her house at night, and attack a man in the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, man. She's pretty hardcore. Don't mess with her, Alfred. I also like how she's told her mom, don't call the police or cancel the call to the police. And then nobody decided to call an ambulance for a man that's clearly been like knocked unconscious. <laughs> yeah, it must have been a pretty serious hit. I wonder if she used a wood bat or a metal bat. I mean, either way, it's not something yeah. that you just sleep off. I mean, that, that, uh, that's got to hurt. It looked wood to me, but here's, here's, a, here's a stinger question, Brian. Would Bernie have done better in the final battle had he not been concussed with a baseball bat days before? Probably. <laughs> I mean, I know I would. I've never had a concussion. I, I, you might have had a concussion once, I believe, but I, like, yeah. I assume it affects your ability to do certain things for at least the next couple of days. <laughs> yeah. You're not at 100%. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I actually have had a concussion, and uh, yeah, it put me on a commission for, I think, two weeks, so. Wow. I mean, I'm sure there's, you know, different severities, right, of these things. I, I don't know where she exactly hit him in the head, but... Uh, I'll put hit by a baseball bat in the head as, like, a pretty pretty high, you know, level of concussion. Yeah, I agree. I don't know how many days between this one and in the end, but, yeah, I, I would say that it impacted his performance. It would impact my performance, don't you think? I mean, wouldn't it for you? Yeah, I don't want to pilot anything or have to deal with, like planning and strategy or let alone combat and like a mission you know yeah. like bernie was not at 100 percent for the rest of the series i think so after episode three that's when they find the alex they take the pictures and they go back to the cyclops team in episode four isaac this has maybe the bet my favorite line of the show at least from a funny perspective this is when uh mikhail or misha so i noticed isaac here you know the, the guy's name who pilots the kempfer his name is mikhail was it Kaminsky, I think? But in the I show, they so. call him Misha. And that's because, if, if you're not familiar listeners, yeah. uh, he's Russian, obviously. And, and the way Russian names work is there's they have a lot of, like, if your name's Peter, they call you Pasha. And if your name's Maria, they call you Masha. And if it and I, I guess if your name's Mikhail, they call you Misha. There's probably a, a name for it, but that's just how Russian names work. And so they, in the show, okay. they actually call him Misha, even though his name's Mikhail. So did you see the scene, Isaac, when he's buying a lot of stuff to, like, cut things and blow things up and the guy at the counter says you could cut up a battleship with all this and misha says or colony wall (laughs) (laughs) yeah i remember him saying that yeah (laughs) like like he gives away the plan in the most hilarious way possible i love that like he's so proud of it too (laughs) that might be why later on like when um bernie's trying to repair his zaku he only sends alfred by himself if you remember right he only sends him to the hardware store yeah alone He's not taking any more chances. <laughs> <laughs> They've already seen me buy all this stuff. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this is also when Misha... I really like the plan here, Isaac, where he's he's like leaving weapons all over the place. He parks the chain mine truck in a, in one parking lot, and then he, we find out that they've parked other trucks full of weapons around... Uh, you know the yeah. factory that they're about to. So I like that. That's that's a very uh, well thought out plot by the writer and director. So that. I appreciate that other than rather than just, you know, the Kemper pulling weapons, you know, kind of out of its ass along the way. So, yeah, I guess that would make sense too, right? So high attack focus that it dare not hold more weapons than really what it needs to use at a specific moment. Yeah. And if you read the mecha profile on the Kemper, it says that it's designed to be disassembled and reassembled behind enemy lines. And then also it's meant to discard its weapons as it goes. Yeah, that's exactly what it did when it was going all over the place and 
Dropping grenade launchers and shotguns left and right, yeah. Episode 4, Isaac, is also, this is the Kempfer fight. But I know in the past, uh, Isaac, we've made fun of Misha or Mikhail for loading up on the booze. But I guess rewatching the series as a whole, I mean, th- this was clearly a suicide mission. I mean, he, the chances of him coming back is very low. And so I guess I don't blame him one bit. <laughs> I, what does he say right before he leaves to victory, life or death? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would almost invert that on its head where the team sounded like they thought they were going to do way worse than they did because the Alex was the last mobile suit standing, to my knowledge, right? Unless a fleet was on the way. Well, um, yeah, I just mean in, yeah. in general, he way overperformed, in my opinion. Although he didn't yeah. destroy the Alex. He launches in the Kemper, and then the the, Gray, the Federation finally moves in, right? Because the colony forces suck, and they can't they can't stop him. So the Gray Phantom, one of our favorite, uh, you know, white based derivatives, <clears throat> moves in, and they launch this. Uh, I think they they have two teams: Scarlet Team, and I think the Deep Blue Team is the other one, at least according to the wiki. I don't. I only remember them saying Scarlet Team, but yeah, it's a team of G, of Jim Sniper Twos and gun cannons, and Misha just shoots them out of the sky like nothing. It was a pathetic performance from the Federation, Isaac. I, the Jim Sniper 2 is the best Jim from the One Year War, as far as I'm aware, unless they've added other things and you know, manga side stories. And they were just picked off out of the sky like nothing with a shotgun. It, it was pathetic. Terrible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. W- was it a Jim Sniper 2 that was hiding under the bridge, trying to ambush the Comfort, only for the Comfort to like appear behind it? Or was that just a regular gym? I think it was. I think it was a sniper too, but I'd have to yeah. watch it. There was some like coloring errors in this scene, which I think we've talked about before, so it made it difficult to, to figure that out. But God, even the even the gun cannon, it it was blown out of the sky before shooting, and the gun cannon is designed for like medium range combat. It didn't get off a shot, I think. No, no, he just blew these guys away with very you know limited resource expenditure too. You know, he had a few yeah. of those Sturmfoss things. He fired them away. He hit a few with the, the shotgun rounds. Boom, boom. Like, he did his job all, all the way. You know, inside it doesn't go so well because Bernie screws up on the the seasoning or, for, you know, for what time of year it is in Sydney. Oh, God. Idiot, man. <laughs> it kind of gets him. It basically gets everyone killed, right? Yeah. Of all the places to pick, the dozens of accent options, he picked the one country that was destroyed by Zeon, you know? <laughs> yes. Not continent that was destroyed by Zeon, actually. But man, what a what a mess up, you know? He could just go out the regular accent, just say, oh, I'm from the colonies, you know? And then people would just kind of be like, oh, whatever. Yeah. I have no idea why Steiner didn't prep him or something, you know, or everybody get like a backstory ready. Oh, God, Bernie really torpedoed it. As much trouble as he had before that part of the mission, that critical failure just, like you said, got everybody killed. It did, yeah. <laughs> when you're Steiner, though, and he opens his mouth and, do- and does an Australian accent, are you just like, God damn it, here we go. Like, <laughs> like why? No, because I think he pulled it off convincingly, except for the whole weather part. He did. The guy, the Federation guy came running back later. It, it wasn't a... He didn't blow it right away. Remember, he came running back. So that soldier wasn't holding it in that he knew right away. It was more time had to pass for him to think about something or he mentioned something to somebody else. Right. And then he knew that the information was wrong about the weather. Okay. Exactly. So while things don't go too well for the Cyclops team, Steiner dies, Garcia dies. They don't end up being able to steal or destroy the Alex. So Christina gets in the Alex in all the chaos this is what you're talking about. She ran directly to the cockpit, got in, was like, see you all later. Yeah. 
you know, Misha wraps the Alex in the chain mine, which has got to be one of the coolest weapons we've seen a mobile suit use. Yeah. And honestly, like, Chris and the Federation got lucky here. If, if the Alex wasn't wearing that Chabam armor, then it would have been destroyed. Absolutely. Well, that's what, that was one of my questions to you. Do you think if they didn't have that armor, it would have been destroyed? So your vote's for yes. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I'm going to say, if not destroyed, then definitely heavily damaged to the point where it was probably done with. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, whether it is fully disintegrated or just completely, you know, what's the technical term, foobard? I'd even go a step further and say Christina and the Federation got lucky even before the the chain mine even appeared because the Calm for standing over the hangar where the Gundam Alex is, Mm -hmm. and then it shoots shoots open, you know, the ceiling of it, and then Christina closes her cockpit with, like, one second to spare. Yeah, and she speeds away, right? And, she, and even after yeah. that, before taking the chain mine, she takes two or three shotgun blasts straight up. I'm not saying that Alex wouldn't have survived the shotgun blast. It probably would have, but it would have taken some, some decent damage from that as well. It just shrugged him off because it had the armor on. Yeah, definitely, yeah. So what did we learn here? I guess if your suit has a, a full set of Chabam armor, you, you store it with the Chabam armor on. <laughs> the armor is like an extra life in a video game. Yeah, you know, you're yeah. you're really gonna want it on. Like, <laughs> it'll be the last thing you regret if you don't have it. It's the super mushroom of the Gundam <laughs> world. It's like having like a, a bunch of extra gold rings if you're Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, Christina retaliates, you know, with the arm cannon and destroys the Kempfer, which has light armor to begin with. It's not it's not meant for dueling. I don't think with heavily armored opponents. So. Oh, you know, now Misha's dead because uh, she probably shot him up with, I don't know, 100 rounds or something. There was a little bit, little overkill there. So overall, things didn't go too well that episode for the for the Cyclops team. Bernie's the only one left at this point, Isaac. Yeah, he's uh, last man standing and <laughs> poor captain. He couldn't even get convinced that Bernie, uh, Bernie couldn't even convince him that they did take out the Gundam Alex. Yeah. What does he say? You're a terrible liar. And then he dies. Yeah. That's sad. And then he dies. <laughs> Isaac, I was curious to get your thoughts on the, what happens at the beginning of episode five. We open with two Xeon, you know, commanders, generals, whatever, arguing at Granada. One of them wants to use nuclear weapons and the other one does not. And the one who wants to use it, you know, basically shoots the other guy. His logic was, well, side six was not a signing member of the Antarctic Treaty, which seems pretty legally flimsy to me if you were to, if you were to go nuke uh, side six. Yeah, it seemed very much a case of the base commander clearly knew that using the nuke was wrong. I don't know if he knew about the situation with Alex itself, but we're not using nukes. That seems to be across the board something Xeon's agreed to, except for like maybe Makuve on Earth during Odessa. But other than that, we have no other times that Xeon actually used nukes, right? So he was correct, I think, in trying to stop it. But by then... Killing and the two other officers by that nuke, they got their orders to take down the Alex no matter what. So that guy got a, got shot. <laughs> we also see in this episode right after that that Chris has a pink uniform. I feel like we haven't seen that a lot in newer adaptations, but maybe we have. But the, here's an instance where the pink uniform is used again, Isaac. Yeah, but hers looks so cool because it wasn't like the sort of skirt dress thing. It was like a pink pilot jacket you know yeah like an air force type jacket it looked really cool i thought like you you, somebody could wear something like that today maybe that's what it was supposed to be maybe it was just supposed to be an update to that look that keeps the pink coloring but makes it a little more cool quote unquote i liked it i thought it was cool yeah but i guess the color um 
got the wrong reaction because she wears it and walks up to Detective McSexist, <laughs> who uh, seemed to be more or less accusing her of being a spy, I thought, almost, or... Yeah, I mean, he was kind of, yeah. like, making it seem like she was the one responsible for the Federation, cl- you know, to his credit, he was he was right. The Federation was clearly there secretly developing this mobile suit under the guise of neutrality, which seems to be their MO, given what we saw in the original series, right? They, they also did that at Side 7. That's where they took the RX-78 to. But, yeah, you're right. He, he was unfairly placing all the blame on her when she's she, she just works here, right? She, she's not in charge of, like, where they do it or where they take it. Yeah, it also seemed a little inappropriate to be talking to her, like, at least alone. There should have been... I don't know. I almost feel like, why is this happening? The base commander or somebody should be talking to the detectives, you know? Like, somebody multiple ranks above her. Exactly. He should be talking to the base commander or even the captain of the Grey Phantom. I mean, that that ship's in your colony. Uh, They also, they gave us a body count here, Isaac. During that battle, 246 people died and over 500 people were wounded. I believe that. There was a lot of collateral damage and... This is also maybe one of the hardest scenes in the show where Al stops by a damaged building as they pull out a dead kid from it. Yeah, yeah, that that kind of was one of his first traumatic moments, I feel like. That was pretty bad, but that death count seems both high and low, um, depending (laughs) on how you look at it. But I'll I'll agree to it, yeah. You know, it probably got higher as time went on. I imagine some people wounded aren't going to make it. Right after this, we see, you know, Bernie Barry Steiner... And that's when, you know, he tells him, calls him a terrible liar and he dies. I thought one of the best characters, Isaac, was the, I don't know the guy's name. I don't feel like they mentioned it, but it was the, it was basically their their handler, the guy who runs the bar. Do you know his name? Does he have a name? I forgot his name, but it, it was mentioned. This is where he tells Bernie to escape as soon as possible because Zeon is going to use the nukes, you know, if the Gundam is not destroyed by Christmas night. Pretty ominous warning. And, you know, he doesn't go anywhere because he's, quote, an old man. He's lived his whole life here, but... Uh, again, I, I like I like that guy's character. Uh, that was neat. It it was nice to see how the Cyclops team was getting all their info while inside the colony. Yeah, I'm kind of curious what would make someone in living in a neutral colony switch over to Zeon. Like he, he said, he'd been there his whole life. He must have been very ride or die, space noid independence. Yeah, t- to an extent, I think Alfred was also. His sketches were only of Zaku's. So there must be a level of space noid to space noid. A connection right yeah there has to be at least some people who see things that way especially in a neutral colony right yeah but um man that guy's ready to go down <laughs> he was he was uh we also see al get a little depressed he verbalizes his his trauma by asking bernie when he brings him the upside down mcdonald's which maybe we'll call like the wick donald's or something but yeah wonderland or whatever it's called <laughs> <laughs> he says it seems people die really easily don't they bernie and Bernie tells him people die when their luck runs out and that's it, not to worry about it. I thought that was interesting because that's a very simple way to look at it for Al. And Bernie's basically just putting the matter off and just trying not to deal with it, I feel like. Probably. I mean, Bernie's been traumatized too, right? He was he, he was the fish out of water yeah. to begin with when he joined the squad as the, the Greenhorn, the rookie. He hasn't even killed one enemy mobile suit. Now he's like literally alone. You know, yeah. so he's he must be a mix of fear and also resigned to his own fate of, you know, he's going to die, too. So he must feel like his luck ran out. Yeah, it's it's very similar to what she, uh, Shima said, remember? Life is like uh, rolling the dice or something. It looks like I rolled a bad roll. 
Wow. Yeah. It's a very fatalistic outlook for their situations. Yeah. Just facing death. What do you think of the arcade? <laughs> oh, which which part? Because he, he went to an arcade a few times. This is when... After the whole battle and trauma, when he knows the nuke's on the way, and he has that, that horrifying nightmare vision of what the nuke would do to the colony. Yeah, I thought that was a good way to you know render it, especially back when this was made. Arcades were... That was a young person thing. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was pretty effective. I liked it. I don't know that... I mean, do kids even know what an, ar- an arcade is today? Or are there arcades anymore? If there are, there's not very many. That's a good question. I don't think there's a ton. The only thing I can think of is like a Dave and Buster's kind of thing. Yeah, and a lot of them have classic games. Yeah, so. Yeah, so, but it looked pretty cool. I liked it. I thought it was effective. Yeah, man, that security guard was really observant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, noticing one kid is like staring off into space and looks kind of scared or something. (laughs) Yeah, maybe he's really trained in mental health issues. Yeah, he's probably like, all right, did did someone mess with this kid or something? Like, (laughs) should I call the police? Yeah, poor Al. He's having a tough time. Yeah. yeah this was a hard episode. You know, Al has a fa- sort of a falling out with Bernie a little bit. Bernie tells him, you know, mm. that this badge they gave him was a wire and they've been listening to him and they're not really friends. And it's kind of odd that he doesn't just tell Chris what's happening, right? But he, he sort of says, you know, what would you do if someone was coming to destroy the colony? And she tells him to fight, but not a, not a right or wrong answer. And uh, oh, this is when Al finds out that the school had been bombed, Isaac. Yeah. And uh, his friends are gathering up bullet shells, and they think it's cool. And Al no longer thinks it's cool, because he, he saw the Cyclops team die, you know, right in front right. of him. Again, piling on the trauma for old Al here. Do you think he was crying because he thought his friends had died in the school, or just the gravity of everything, you know, the Cyclops team and all that, and himself almost dying, kind of, and what's coming, the new? I think he was crying because he thought maybe someone had died in the school because he had just seen that kid die in that other building. Right. And then he, when he got there, didn't he ask him like, "Where are, where you guys been?" I thought maybe, and they were like, "Oh, well, Al, the the fighting happened at night. No one was at the school." And then he felt more relieved after that. So I do think maybe yeah. he he was thinking that his friends had died too. Which you know, I mean, I think it's a fair worry. Yeah, yeah. He'd seen so much going on, and it's all been a rush over the last few days, the last day. So good point. But um, speaking of the nuke, Von Helsing sounded pretty resistant to using the nuke. He did, especially with a guy for with a, with a name Von Helsing. Yeah, <laughs> I would think that guy's down to launch nukes all day, every day. But <laughs> do you think he really would have gone through with it, or do you think at the end, do do you think he might have allowed himself to get captured? Right, because we don't actually see his his actual capture. Oh, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about yeah, that. That's the Von Helsing side story. <laughs> yeah, that's actually really interesting because before this. When Steiner is talking to the bar guy, they both make it clear that Zeon is not going to win the war. Yeah. And so I assume that that sentiment is at least shared by other people of their status, who, which would include someone like Von Helsing. And so maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe they, maybe he did let himself get captured. Because if he knows he's going to lose, why is, why is he just going to go kill a bunch of people? Yeah, he, he is really against using the nuke. Once he's far away from Granada, who knows how events unfolded. But Yeah, because they, didn't they also say that they surrendered? Yeah, th- that's what um, Alfred's dad said. You know, yeah. He's like, oh, sorry we're late. You know, There was a battle, and they blew up like one or two of the, the ships in Von Helsing's fleet, but they managed to capture his ship and then the nuke. Yeah. So how he knew they captured the nuke, I don't know. Maybe... Well, they must have announced it, like, oh, you know, we found nukes, they were planning to use them or something. 
yeah, maybe they told the captain, you know, hold position. There's a battle happening. Yeah. And then, you know, sorry, you can keep going, you know. And the captain probably asked, you know, what's going on? I have a, I'm a passenger shuttle full of civilians. What's going on? They probably told him, like, yeah, it's your guys' lucky day. <laughs> we stopped the Xeon fleet from taking a nuke <laughs> to your colony. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that headcanon. That makes sense to me. Um, you're mm-hmm. right. We didn't get any more detail on that. And if anyone out there knows definitively, like, is there no information, and is this a possibility? Uh, that'd be interesting to know. Von Helsing on the list of good Xeon officers. Speaking of Van Helsing, or Von Helsing, sorry, what is your headcanon for the differences in accents across Xeon, even the Federation, I guess? Like, Do, do you yeah. have any policy for how, why Garcia sounds the way he does, why Von Helsing, why Misha... Uh, you're right. The Cyclops team was very diverse. They they would tick a lot of boxes in today's HR world, but <laughs> I always attribute it to the fact that when people first moved to the colonies, it was always the poorest, right? And so poor is pretty universal. You can find poor people in every country. So Yeah, that's true. I, I think maybe it's just the fact that, okay, there's a lot of people that were poor and a lot of people moved to the colonies from a lot of different places and maybe they didn't have a choice where they were going at first and they all just kind of ended up, you know, wherever it is they ended up. This one, I thought they just probably picked a Russian actor because, or a Russian accent because uh, he had the nuke, right? So <laughs> I, I, there's always that, well, that trope of like the Russians using the nukes. He's German. That was a German accent, wasn't it? Oh, really? I, f- I thought he sounded yeah. Russian, but... Well, whatever. I thought because of his name. You know, <laughs> German, Russian, uh, it's, it's, it's fine. all the same. Right? No, I, I mean the trope of using the nuke. If you're going to call back to your World War II, and, you know, not that they used the nuke, right. but... They definitely would have. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, exactly. I mean, they started the project, right? So. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, this is 0079, so I imagine the the language bonds and you know the great grandparents of everybody that went to the colonies and set up their little neighborhoods it's probably much like here in the real world where you know different parts of your state your country have different regional accents so why would it be any different inside three or really any part of the colonies yeah like little russia and you know little tokyo yeah yeah. misha's from a russian neighborhood or a colony where you know that's just how they talk maybe they speak english and russian or you know or their their yeah. version of english is just so heavily accented you know or same with garcia and von helsing yeah i wonder if there's studies out there that figure out how long it takes for accents to go away yeah or new ones to form who knows right yeah, yeah. did you feel bad for alfred at the police station and how he inadvertently got himself into a boy who cried wolf situation <laughs> It wasn't that I felt bad for him. It was more that I was like, oh, that's an effective use of the previous visit to like get us out of an easy way out of this. So overall, I thought this was written pretty well. So I didn't feel bad, but I definitely see how someone would feel bad. Yeah, I was more just impressed that they had written themselves out of using the cops at the end. So that was good. Yeah. Why didn't he just run to the Federation, too? Well, see, that was my question for you. So yeah. at the end of this episode, when Bernie's trying to leave, he's going to go to Francesca to go find uh, you know, a hot Francesca blonde woman uh, who he sees <laughs> on the wall. He, you know, he, he sees this girl that he thinks is Chris at the bar, and it's not Chris, but he overhears her conversation with her boyfriend who left her, and he has flashes of the Cyclops team and Al, and he eventually reconsiders his departure and calls... Al and says, you know, I'm going to take the, I'm going to take down the Gundam. Was that enough for you? Cause it, w- it would have been easier to just go to the Federation. Yeah, no, that didn't really, I wouldn't say I didn't buy it, but it, it felt kind of forced to me that he would go there, think he sees Christina and then 
overhears a fragment of what must have been a very long argument. <laughs> yeah. And decides, you know what? I'm not going to run. I'm not going to quit like this, you know, this poor young woman. I'm going to go back and take care of my business. I'm not going <laughs> to run away from my problems. I agree with you, Brian. This really could have been solved by just going to the Federation and saying, look, I'm the pilot of that Zaku. This little boy was helping me. You have to do something because there's a nuclear warhead on the way. <laughs> right, right. I So I played that out in my mind, like what would happen... Obviously, they wouldn't let him go, right? He, he would end up in no. prison. But then you, you don't have a final act if you do that, right? You don't have a, a climactic battle. Unless it's the Alex going out in space to fight off the nuke. Oh, but yeah, that, that could be good, too. But that takes away, like, the heaviness of the, the ending that we actually got. Right. So I'm, I'm imagining, though, Isaac, that when they started this show, they knew what the ending was that they wanted, and they had to write to that ending. Right, yeah. Like we always talk about, did the show stick the ending? Well, this one really stuck the ending, and you can tell that that was the ending that they were writing toward from the beginning. Yeah, stuck in your heart. So I feel like <laughs> this is maybe where they just got stuck a little bit, and they had to be like, we have to give some justification for why Bernie just doesn't go to the Federation. And that was it. So whether it works for you or not, I don't know. For me, I'm a little flimsy on it. I'd have to maybe watch it again. So anyway, if he does go to the Federation, I thought, okay, well, they're, they're clearly going to throw him in prison. They might, they might actually kill him. And then I thought that might actually be a, uh, an even sadder ending for Al. Yeah. But if it, Bernie turned everything in, went to the Federation, and then Al watched the Federation kill him anyway, right? They, they might just execute him. I would hope the Federation wouldn't kill him since he saved a colony and revealed, you know, who knows how much information that was valuable, especially to saving everyone from the nuke. But um, another thing we're forgetting is that he wants to fight the Gundam because the Gundam killed one of his squad mates and arguably is the reason they all died. So I can understand on that level. He had second thoughts at, at leaving and then he said, you know what, that Gundam has to go down. That that bastard in that cockpit who butchered everyone on my squad. You know, I'm going to die trying. See, I, that's what I thought too. But then at the end, he, ha he sends that video to, to Al. And in it, he says, it's not like I hate the Federation. It's not like I want to avenge the Cyclops team or anything. I just don't want to run away. And so, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, do you believe him? There has to be some level of vengefulness there, uh, mm. I, I would think. But he says no, so I, I don't know. In that case, I'd believe his death video. And for whatever reason, yeah, that conversation in the, uh, the, air, the, the spaceport bar convinced him. You know, don't run away. Just deal with your business. Where, yeah. where are you going to go anyways? You're going to be sent to a Bawaku or something if you go back to Zeon, unless you wait out the war in, um, uh, what was it called? Not Felicia. Um, oh, Francesca. Francesca. Yeah. <laughs> Home of the hot blondes, Francesca. Uh, <laughs> needs a Francesca side story. <laughs> yeah, in an alternate universe, Bernie makes it to Francesca and, you know. And Christina chases after him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe a better solution would have been maybe he tries to go to the Federation and gets denied for some reason, then this is his only option. That would have, yeah. I think you're out of time, though. That I don't know, like, where you'd squeeze that in here. Yeah, a cut scene of him and Alfred, like, trying to get to the Federation at the gate, and they're just waved away as, you know, you guys are crazy. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, yeah. You know, something like that. Yeah. So th this is going to be something where, listeners, I'm going to interpret it as, like, the rest of this was pretty tightly written. So I'm just going to assume that this is one of those parts where they had to band-aid over because they were just out of time. Sometimes you just have to work within the constraints that you're giving and, you know, given in, in this, you, you got six episodes and each episode was only, you know, 25 minutes, right? 22, 25 right. minutes. So if you know what has to go in the last episode and you, you've got two minutes to tell your story, then that was the bar conversation we got. So... 
Uh, I'm sure they considered other options, but that's that's what we ended up with. So if I had to call out another negative of the show, it would be that one. Yeah. What did you... Um, <laughs> is your reasoning for why Bernie sent Alfred to go do all the shopping at the hardware stores <laughs> that he just didn't run a risk exposing himself? Or do you think like the Federation was actually monitoring hardware stores? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that was a concern. But I think the main thing was that he... Remember, he had to... F- fix the zaku while al was getting more stuff so maybe it was just a time thing because they they only had what two days at this point to defeat the gundam i think yeah so i think it was a time thing they were just splitting up duties here plus al can't work on a mobile suit so if al can do anything he can go shopping that was how i took it but i I, they're probably looking for bernie they were looking for someone right didn't didn't they think that someone survived yeah i think they did but okay that makes sense what did you think about the final battle between the Zaku Kai and the Gundam Alex? I liked it. I thought it was good. I, th- I thought it was well thought out, right? They didn't just rush at each other and do a few slices or something like that. I mean, there was a strategy there. Bernie knew that he, he was in a Zaku going into Gundam, so he had to plan it out. He he had the decoy balloons. That was a good idea. He had the smoke, which was a good idea. He really worked with it, what he had, Isaac. He only had one heat hawk and 12 grenades. That's not a lot to take out a Gundam. No. He's not working with any ranged weapons. <laughs> Poor guy. I mean, he got really far for what he had, I think. He sliced open the cockpit, Isaac, which was pretty impressive. Yes, or something happened inside where she took damage, like a shrapnel or something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he got hit in the head by either shrapnel or a round. So he, he wasn't yeah. doing too well by the end either. I don't know. If, do you think he would have made it anyway? It was so close, and it really came down to that last moment. I believe that the Zaku, all things considered, did... It punched above its own weight and did excellent damage to the Alex. Yeah. Far more than you think a Zaku would be able to do. You can only imagine the hands of a better pilot would have hap- what would have happened. But it came down to that final attack for both of them. This is also something that I've seen people debate a lot. Given what happened in the last battle, right? I mean, <laughs> objectively, what happened? A Zaku heavily damaged a Gundam. Does that mean that Christina was a bad pilot? Does that mean Bernie was a good pilot? Were they both bad pilots? Or were they just sort of not victims of circumstance, but they were both just in a weird situation, right? Bernie was maybe not a great pilot because he was still a rookie, but he definitely knew what he was going up against and and relied on sort of guerrilla tactics. And it doesn't necessarily mean she was a bad pilot, but she was definitely not experienced in real combat. But she was also using a Gundam that wasn't meant for her, and it was way faster than it probably should have been for her. I don't know. What's your take on that? I'd say that this is a, a result of multiple reasons all coming together. We have the Zaku Kai, which was engineered to be so much more superior to the regular Zaku, and we see that in its performance. We have the Alex, which was very powerful on its own right, even though a prototype. We have Christina, who has no combat experience other than the night before, and now she has to fight a Zaku again. Yep. Uh, well, not, not necessarily again, but she has to fight again, but this time against a Zaku that pretty much has the drop on her and ambushes her with all kinds of tricks smoke and you know inflatable yeah. balloons <laughs> and then we have bernie who we know is concussed and is only <laughs> using a heat hawk essentially some yeah. grenades but mainly the heat hawk so all that combined along with you know randomness and chaos gets us that that very close almost a draw fight i think it's more than a draw i think it's a win for the zaku even though yeah. the pilot is well isaac that that one line was was rough I mean, at the end, Al overhears them say, there's nothing left of the Xeon pilot. 
He's a pile of hamburger. You know, that made me immediately write down that we need uh, Bernie's Burger at Gundam <laughs> Land. And you know what it has, Brian? It's got a pink hot center and it, it's got a green bun. <laughs> Perfectly medium rare. Oh, man. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and you put a nice big chunk of tomato on one side so it lo- the whole thing looks like a mono eye. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Or uh, yeah, cherry tomato, right? Yeah, oh, there, there you go. go. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> morbid, but that just like killed Al, right? I mean, he was just sitting there. Right. Poor guy. Speaking of morbid though, you know, this is when they show us uh, Bernie's death video. Mhm. You know, I was watching that and I couldn't help but think that like I can imagine an older Alfred rewatching this video so many times as he ages. Yep. Just so tragic. Yeah, so speaking of older Alfred, I had like two or three questions here at the end of like, what happens to Christina and what happens to Alfred? Do we know? I wasn't able to find out that much, but here's what I did find. So in terms of Christina, two things. One, there's a prequel manga right now that's ongoing. However, it's on hiatus because I think the author is having some health issues. Uh Uh-oh. There is more to find out about Chris's pre-story. But that doesn't answer my question of what happened to her after. So I, did, I didn't know that. It's a very new manga. I think it just started last year. But in terms of what happens to her afterwards, apparently there's some sort of audio drama where she writes another message to Al. She mentions maybe leaving the military and she's excited to come back and visit Al and, and would like to see Bernie again and that she would like to travel to new oh, places God. with them. But that's about it. It, it kind of ends there. We don't know. Like, I was just wondering, like, is she in a Jagan in charge counterattack or something? So, no. Some people think there's a scene in 083 in Anaheim Electronics where, where there's a redheaded girl that's, like, very prominent in the shot. And a lot of people think that that's Chris or it's meant to be Chris, but it's not. <laughs> the 083 staff have said in some, I forget what it was, if it was, like, a behind-the-scenes or interview or something, that it was just coincidental and it's not her, even though it does. They did admit that it looks very much like her. <laughs> it's another redhead. Yeah, that's not Christina. There's there's more than one redhead girl in in you know in the Earth sphere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they are quite common. Um, so that is not her in Double Eighty Three. So we don't really know too much about Chris, other than that she probably left the military at some stage. As far as Al, we, there's nothing on Al to my knowledge, other than so I did watch this on my Blu-ray, Isaac, and I did check the extra features. And one of the extra features was the Japanese Blu-ray promos. So basically, when the first time when they were making a Blu-ray for the show, they they put together some little you know, little hype videos, little trailers, whatever. I think two out of the three are narrated by an older Alfred. Wow. Reflecting on the story. And in one of them, he says, I could never tell anyone what happened that winter of 0079. And in the other one, he says, it was a Christmas story I would never forget. Hmm. Beyond that, though, I don't know what happened to Alfred. It doesn't seem like he went on to join the military. I don't know why he would after yeah. witnessing this. I mean, I could see him joining, like, you know, the AUG or something, but... Yeah, I don't even know if I could see him joining AUG. Like, I, I wrote down that Alfred must have had at least some issues growing up. <laughs> a, li- a little bit, you think? <laughs> yeah, like, uh, just walking in his colony, he must have felt so much sadness and reminiscing about stuff that just happened, you know, over those few days. Right. At the end, it's very fitting that Alfred is the only one who grasped the principal speech. All his friends and other classmates... They all, you know, they're like picking their nose or their ears or just, they just wanted to be over because it's just some adult giving a nonsense speech. But Alfred really looked like he understood what the principal was saying about, you know, how, how horrible the war has been, how many people have died and how he hopes that, you know, their generation will grow up and, and create lasting peace. That last scene was pretty chilling for Al. Yeah. I mean, it didn't really leave you feeling great. I mean, right. he's, he's crying at the speech and what did his friends say? They... They actually try to console him, don't they? Saying, don't worry, Al. 
A new yeah, war will start soon. And when it does, we can find even better paraphernalia, essentially. Maybe even live rounds, and maybe even a soldier will let us use his gun or something like that. Like, they're just yeah. totally... Innocently oblivious. Yeah, they're yeah. still at the naive 11-year-old stage, and now Alfred is at the soldier level of, like, I just watched all of my soldier friends die within the span of, like, three days. D- did you notice that Ponytails was there again, and she was the one that actually realized he needed help and went to go get a teacher? Yes, yes. Another testament to her character. Yeah. She was kind of like the, I don't know, the embodiment of rigid morality, I guess. You know? <laughs> yeah, she was like the, the class mom, you know, like she was keeping everyone in line. Maybe, Al- yeah. hopefully Alfred, like, you know, grew up and married this girl or something, but uh, I don't know. I was wondering if he told the teacher when she came to him what happened, but I guess not based on what you said about an older him saying that he never told anybody. I, I mean, would um, they believe him? I, you know. I think depending on stuff he starts revealing... If like a Federation officer was in the same room or, you know, maybe maybe they did have a Federation officer come or detective stuff might have started lining up where they would have eventually had to start believing him. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. I I wrote down that I didn't care much for the ending, but then it kind of stewed with me more. I thought maybe like a funeral, like Bernie's funeral would have been better. Like if he Mm -hmm. was just buried in some... Not like a pauper's grave, but like... Yeah. Whatever civic discount grave they, they would put him in. Or if his remains would be returned to Zeon or something. Yeah. But in retrospect, you know, Alfred Krein might have been the most powerful way to end the, the series. I think so. I think that's what they wanted out of this show. And I think, yeah. they, I think they got it. You don't end the series like almost every other Gundam series where, you know, the, the forces of evil were defeated and people are cheering. And, you know, the, the Gundam pilot had this really cool epic battle. Instead, it's just trauma and sadness and loss. Yeah. I mean, if you think about our three pre-Zeta side stories... I'd say 8th MS team definitely has the most optimistic ending, right? Yeah. People take some damage, but everyone's, for the most part, alive and they're okay. They lived happily ever after. Double 83 is slightly less happy, right? I mean, Synapse is dead. Burning's dead. The colony fell. Everyone failed. Titans are yeah. in charge. Not the happy ending. But then you go here and you're just like, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm bawling my yeah. eyes out over here. <laughs> you know? Exactly, yeah. It felt like the closing images... Um, which are in color in the final episode that go along with the credits. Mm, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're very much slice of life photos, just yeah. like this whole series was really just a slice of one boy's life. Yeah. So I, I really like the closing images because they each speak volumes. We see like a few people kind of huddled with like their belongings and luggage next to a wall covered in bullet holes. Mm-hmm. We see some people uh, or some kids using a uh, like a destroyed Zaku as like pretty much a platform to go swimming on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we we see Federation infantry charging a Zaku. You know, we we know how that would end. Yeah, not not well. This is the most uh, sobering Gundam series, I think, for the One Year War. Yeah, I think the last image in that set is Alfred and his class holding a sign that says "Happy yeah. New Year." And you have to wonder, like, is Al having a happy new year? Like, I don't think he is. No. He at least put on a fake smile for it. So he I did. think that would, that would give us some hope, I think, that he's, you know, who, who knows if he's getting therapy or not. His parents seemed to start picking up that something was wrong. Yeah, but what a kid, though, at the end when he kept it together and told Chris that Bernie would be sad that he missed her. Yeah, Alfred, despite his grades, has like a type of emotional intelligence on, you know, what what not to reveal and what to reveal at certain situations. Yeah. But, oh boy, a great series, very tragic. You need to be in the mood, prepare yourself to watch it. (laughs) Yeah. 
I think the last thing I wanted to talk about, Isaac, was the mecha designs. The mechanical designer for this show is Yutaka Izabuchi. He's the same person who did the mechanical designs for Shards Counterattack. And I think from top to bottom, this show has fantastic designs, Isaac. I liked Absolutely. pretty much everything we saw here. <laughs> so detailed, so flowing correctly in their movement. They were just very beautifully designed. And models lifted just from these designs would be incredible. Yeah, and that's actually one of my complaints, is that some of these designs don't have master grades. And I'm picking on master grades here, listeners, because... In the 144 scale high grade, you can pretty much find all these. I mean, you, you can pretty much find any suit you want in 144 scale. Yeah. But in master grade scale, one, one by 100. So we got two of the Alex. We had, there was one from 1999, and then there was one from, I think, uh, two or three years ago, 2019. There's version two. So you're covered there. But that, that makes sense. It's a, it's a main Gundam. All the gyms that we saw here, they do have master grades as well. There's, the, there's one for the cold district type, the command, the space command, and the sniper two. Two of those, though, I think the Cold District and the Space Type are premium Bandai releases, which I think is weird. If anything, I feel like people would want the Space Type one, the red and white one, Isaac, over the Colony Type one, which is like pink. Maybe it's a Japanese thing, you could know? Be. Cause could like, be. Pink is, I think, favored much more strongly over there because of... Uh, well, don't quote me on this, but something to do with like cherry blossoms and like samurai youth or something like that. Mm, okay, <laughs> interesting. Like, it, its connotations, from what I vaguely understand, was it was almost like a bravery color, you know, mm, got so, it. something okay. like that. So it's 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 why pink appears kind of more often than not for a lot of aces sometimes. Okay, yeah. You know, I like some of those gyms. I don't know if I want to pay premium Bandai prices for gyms, though, Isaac. No, never. <laughs> but we'll see. I'll have to check eBay for some of those. The the mass-produced gun cannon, there's no MG for that, which is kind of not surprising. But I'm more upset about the about the Xeon side, Isaac, because there's no master-grade Hygog. I'm not surprised. There's no master-grade Gelgoog Jaeger. Not surprised. There's an old master-grade for the Kempfer, which I own. Yeah. That's from 2001, though, so it's pretty old. I'm surprised they haven't made a new one. And the Zaku Kai doesn't have a master grade. It has a, a Reborn 100, which is fine. Actually, even though you don't like that one, Isaac, I just ordered it because it was on sale for like $36. That's a steal, yeah. At one of the toy stores I usually shop at, Big Bad Toy Store. I don't know that they're actually going to deliver it. It still hasn't come in. But for $36, oh, wow. I figured, hey, <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> but... So on the Zaku Kai, Isaac, did you know that there's another version of it that has a different helmet? Because I know you hate the helmet. Yeah, actually, there's the, uh, was it, there's a regular helmet, which is kind of Zaku head, you know, regular dome. And then there's the Fritz helm, yeah, I think, yeah. that's kind of more, shall we say, um, Germanic. Yes. <laughs> Do you like it more with the Fritz helm? Is it is it acceptable with the Fritz helm or does that not help it? It helps it more because of how differentiated it looks, but... You know, there's a sliding scale of, I think, Xeon becoming too Germanic. Yeah. And you, you, you kind of see that in Unicorn where they had that one, oh, I forgot the lieutenant's name or whatever, but it was like World War One gas mask mobile <laughs> suit. And like each time I saw that, I was like, okay, this is too much. Yeah. This is like approaching Jinro levels of like <laughs> German paraphernalia. Like we, we don't need to go to this extreme. It kind of looks okay, kind of on the way to a, a, a Giradoga, but also kind of bizarre looking also. So overall, I'm still not a big Kai fan, but I guess it's okay. It's different. Yeah. I'll give it that. It does use your favorite machine gun, though, which yeah. we mentioned. Right. What was it, the 90 millimeter, the, the 80 millimeter, something like that? MM80? Yeah, that, that sounds right. 
Okay, yeah, which is such a much more cool and efficient looking type of machine gun for the Zaku's. Like, it looks like they could be dual wielded. Like, that'd be yeah, cool. There you that, go. That, yeah, that's what I would do. But <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you, so the Fritz helm helps a little bit. So, but did yeah. you notice that though there is an alternate color scheme from another manga which we we plan to read at some point here? Yeah, called the plot to assassinate Giren Zabi. With it has the white and the blue. Now that looks cool, Isaac. I think I might paint mine to look that like that. Yeah, right. These are the ones that um protect the capital, I believe. I assume Zum City or Zum at least City, the, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe not the city itself, but like the whole colony yeah. or or the group of colonies at least. But yeah, I think these look pretty cool. See, this is another thing, right? Like this fleshes out the lore more. What color would Zeon pick for their like elite elite royal guard unit? And yeah. this this is it. It's the white and the blue. I think they look pretty cool though with this helmet. It looks a little bit even different than the um the Fritz helm because this one kind of has like a it's got an a, antenna a sun visor. Yeah. Oh yeah, I see or, what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, the the sun visor right above the mono white. But yeah, this one does have like a captain's um or a commander's antenna. Yeah, I think the antenna would help in general, even on the normal dome one. Yeah, but this this design looks great. I'd love to see it. That gun is not an MM80. That is something far more beastly designed to <laughs> it's a little protect bigger, the zombies. Yeah, it's yeah. sized up a little bit, I think. <laughs> we also saw a redesigned Zagok called a Zagok E. No master grade on that, which is not surprising. But I do think it's surprising there's no master grade high, high gog. I feel like everyone loves that suit. True, but like the Comfort itself, like see, the Comfort was almost the focus of, you know, multiple episodes, you yeah. know, assembling it and getting it ready, seeing it in combat, smuggling it. We really only get a few minutes less of, of GOG action. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right. I mean, they're beautiful. They're great looking high GOGs, you know, but there's also might be an engineering problem with that as far as how do we do those spindly arms which extend and contract, you know? Yeah, I think they could do it today. Yeah, maybe back in the day, though, it could have been could have been difficult. I, I could see how it's not high on their list. <laughs> yeah. Beyond suits, though, Isaac, I think something that maybe is overlooked on this show is the ship's designs, which were also yeah. done, as far as I'm aware, by Izabuji. First of all, the Grey Phantom, fantastic update of the white base. Beautiful-ish, you know, design, the Pegasus class design. Again, I think we've we've discussed this before, but you know, if they do put a white a Pegasus class in the live action film, I bet it's gonna look a lot more like the Grey Phantom than the White Base. I wouldn't be so sure, but I wouldn't be surprised because the Grey Phantom's such a beautiful looking design. We didn't see it fire a shot, <laughs> but no. you know, it it looks great, you know. I, I wonder what their plan was if the Alex goes down, you know, do we <laughs> They fly away. <laughs> do, do, do we, yeah, do we have the, sh- the the Grey Phantom just start f- shooting at that part of the colony? Or, like, what do we do? <laughs> no, I would lose. It has no more mobile suits. It's complete yeah. failure on there. Did you notice the the captain when, they, when the guy told him the Scarlet team was destroyed? He did, like, no real reaction. <laughs> was it the Grey Phantom? The, the commander of the base that had, like, a beret and, like, a wooden stick? A baton? I, I, I feel like it was him. Yeah, but I, I could be oh, wrong. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I could have sworn that guy was the base commander, but like the captain of the um the actual Grey Phantom, like we we almost saw nothing of him. Yeah, well, we didn't see much of his mobile suits either, so clearly yeah. his tone at the top, <laughs> you know, filtered down to the staff. He just, he just went to his quarters after after combat, and just stayed there until the situation was over. <laughs> uh, and then on the Zeon side, did you see they redesigned the Musai? It, it's called now it's called the Musai Final Production Type. I love that one. Yeah. It's very pointy. I think it's a lot more menacing than the original design. 
Yeah, that and the Chevet that uh, Von Helsing was in. It was much more, um, not necessarily sinister looking, but like you said, much more pointy and angular. You know, they yeah. they really kind of lengthened the design in a way. Yeah, it looks way better. I see it's referred to as the Tive class, which is an upgraded Chevet. I wonder if it's either or, if it actually is the Tive mm-hmm. or I don't know. But, but yeah, I agree. That one's <clears throat> way better too than the, than the normal Chevet. What yeah. I think is amazing about these designs, Isaac, is this, these designs look good today and they were right. made in 1989 yeah there's just a level of like just how technical they look that's about the only word i could say you know just so well thought out practical and realistic really yeah these are fantastic updates of the original show and not to say that the original show is bad but if you you're telling me we went from the original show to these in 10 years and now we're 30 years later and they still look good that's really impressive to me so hats off to you yeah, Mr. Izabuchi. I think you might be, he like for example, Isaac. He also you know designed the new Gundam. So oh wow, he might be my favorite designer. Even though you know Katoki does great work, this guy. You tell me he did the new Gundam, the Jim Sniper two, the Alex, all these gyms, the Gelgu Jaeger, the, the you know the Kempfer. I mean, come on, that's that's some impressive work there. Yeah, pretty great looking designs, and I wish there were kind of models of the ships, but you know I'll have to dream. <laughs> Speaking of designs, did you notice that the guns, like the toy guns his friends were playing with were like hyper-realistic looking? (laughs) I did. And some of them were also really big. There was one that he had in his room. Did you notice that one? It was like a two-handed, not a bazooka, but it was just this enormous gun. No. If I think back, Isaac, I mean, that that was kind of not uncommon back then. You know, I I do feel like there were toys that you could buy that were really big guns. There, there was a point I remember where like the orange tips came about, you know, yeah. before then it was just toy guns, you yeah. know, and then something happened and orange tips had to be mandatory on any toy gun, really. Maybe the laws are looser in the colonies. I think. <laughs> Speaking of loose, um, <laughs> something I noticed kind of similar to our The Witch from Mercury prologue was that uh, very much like how The Witch from Mercury relied on infiltrating a base. And then, you know, using an explosive, or, or at least an explosive could have been used for all purposes. The same thing could have happened here. Like, the Cyclops team could have just smuggled in a nuke and then taken out the colony. Mm, you know? There, yeah. was, there wasn't necessarily the need for the comfort and all that. This could have all just been brutally solved in the same way. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Well, maybe they weren't ready to use the nuke at that point. But you're right. Maybe they should have sent him in with the nuke as a backup plan and they detonated if they failed. Right. It's amazing how many things are solved by nuclear weapons. <laughs> exactly. You're just smuggling them in and just, <laughs> you know, we'll just do it. We'll just take them out. <laughs> oh, God. Nuclear weapons are terrible. I hope ne- I hope one never goes off again, <laughs> for the record. But Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Do you feel like the Cyclops team, like, would their problems have been less if they killed Alfred for finding out about them? Mm. Or? I don't think so. He led them to the Alex pretty quickly. Yeah, now that I think about it, like a lot of his intel he gathered really worked in their favor with the camera and all that, you know? Yeah, I think they probably, they needed a better explosive delivery system than what they had. I think that's what got them in trouble. They were in the room, but they couldn't get the mines on the Gundam. And it was wearing the Chobham armor anyway. If the Comfer's mine didn't do it, their little explosives weren't going to do it either, so... Yeah, maybe they needed to bring in a tactical nuke with them, you know, just to get the job done. I don't know. 
it seemed like it wasn't even an option for them to like you know consider killing him it seemed like okay this is a kid let's kind of figure out what he knows and somehow we'll use this to our advantage right and i think that goes back to what we said before about how generally the zeon people while they may be space fascists who've done some terrible things the ones that are named and that we see often behave fairly nobly now, granted, they sniped that guy in the head next to Bernie, but he was an enemy combatant. They don't do that to right. the kid. It'd be interesting if they tried to kill Al. I mean, I'm sure Bernie would have a thing or two to say about it. But Yeah. Speaking of things we noticed about Zeon, Garcia broke the whole pattern that we've seen of Zeon not hitting Zeon because he, oh, gave, you're right. You're right. he gave Bernie a heck of a punch. He put he himself did. in the Sassero category. <laughs> <laughs> Got Sassero'd. Yeah, but but I noticed later on Bernie uh, Garcia asking Bernie not to die. That yeah. that seemed like it was the extent of Garcia being able to apologize. Oh, that was definitely his apology for sure. Yeah, I I felt like Alfred's sketchbook, like if that got into Federation hands, everything would have been over <laughs> because it had like a picture of everyone on the Cyclops team. <laughs> that, that that would have been what they showed on the news. Like, have you seen this man? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just the child's picture. <laughs> For the life of me, I can't think of anyone in any Gundam series that smokes as much as the captain. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good question. I wonder if that's just because smoking in kids' media became taboo in like the mid-90s. Like That's when they made Wolverine stop smoking. Hmm. Uh, I wonder if that carries over to here. Probably <laughs> he not, but you know, he vapes. <laughs> I feel like there's not a lot of smokers in the, in the Tomino series right? No, pretty rare, but um, this might have been the final one, so that's why they made him pound down a pack a day. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Dogati would smoke just so he could use up more oxygen and his followers couldn't have it. <laughs> that's a very Dogati thing to do, yeah. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> this professor, this scientist in the wheelchair, mm. that wheelchair was bulkier than like Professor X's wheelchair. <laughs> like it, it looked so big, it would have trouble navigating like a standard doorway. Yeah, you know, it, it it just it was kind of an eyesore to me. I wonder why they went with that design. Now that you bring that up, it was very big. I wonder if maybe the intent was like again, this is them trying to be futurists, right? So maybe they were thinking that wheelchairs in the future would do a lot more things, and therefore they would be a lot bigger. And but his didn't do anything. You're right, we never saw it do just anything. Right, so yeah, you're right. I, I maybe he's got a mini fridge in it, you know? And right, just... we didn't watch it ascend a flight of stairs, so. <laughs> They deleted that scene. The Federation base officer with the beret and his wooden baton, he clearly went to like the bad academy for Federation officers, right? Because didn't he specifically tell the the colony leadership that only after their military went out to fight the Confer would the Federation send in their military? (laughs) He did, yeah. He he was clearly designed for you to hate him because he had a very punchable face and Yeah. uh, yeah, just not a good attitude on that guy. When the Comfort was attacking and not yet at the, the base where the Alex was at, they kind of cut to the Alex and it's laying on its, you know, kind of transport bed. Was the Federation getting ready to move the Alex or was it just, were they somewhat, you know, oblivious and, you know, oh, the, the Comfort will be dealt with or, you know, we don't have anything to worry about. They're sending out the Scarlet team. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, the Scarlet team is here. Yeah. Nobody was rushing in the hangar. Did you, did you notice that? They're just kind of... Standing around looking at the Alex. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I assume at some point they need Chris to get up and move it around. Maybe they were prepping just to have it walk around, but they can't really have it walk around in there. 
where would you even take it to test it outside? Maybe they were going to get it on the Grey Phantom and get it out of the colony? Yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. Okay. Speaking of, you know, the Grey Phantom, it seems like the base commander wearing the beret, he, you know, he told the colony leadership, use your mobile suits first and then the Federation will attack once your guys are destroyed. It seemed like the Grey Phantom captain kind of either wasn't aware of that or he disregarded it because, you know, the next scene is him just sending out <laughs> the um, the Scarlet Squadron. Yeah, I, I interpreted that to mean that the whatever those little suits were, exosuits, or I, they have a name, I forget what it is, but uh-huh. I took it to mean that those were soundly defeated, like, immediately. Yeah. God, they were, like, miniature mobile suits, but not in a good way. They were, yeah, I wouldn't even know what to call those. Yeah, they look kind of like pat labor kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, they were not good. They, I mean, they were not meant for defense, right? They were clearly meant for something else. Yeah. It reminds me of the little thing that like Benajer piloted in Unicorn when he, when he rescued Maneva in the beginning. Yeah, the little orange kind of construction. Yeah, yeah they remind me of those little, Mega, you know, yeah. the, the ride armors from Mega Man X. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, it's got like a bubble cockpit. Kind of thing. <laughs> you just hop in and you get a little yeah. spiky hands, but yeah. Ex- exposed cockpit like the Rafflesia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, yeah. This was this was such a great series. It's just I don't know. I wish Alfred told somebody what happened. I wish he. Maybe not that teacher, although she might have been a good bet to tell, but if what you said was canon, then that's even more tragic that he really never had anyone to talk about this whole tragedy he lived through. You know, I, I would hope that at some point he could maybe even tell Christina. Yeah, that, I mean, that could be rough, though. Then he's telling her that she killed Bernie. Well, oh, God, that's even worse, too. Yeah, he really can't tell Christina. Because that's the other tragedy here, right? Like, there's one tragedy, which is the, the Bernie died and the, the traumatization of Al, I'll, I'll say. But the other right. tragedy is that, like, clearly we are led to believe that Chris and Bernie would make a nice couple, and they seem to both to be very respectful of each other, and then that there was no chance of that ever happening. So They even had a funny story to tell people, right, about, I thought he was a peeping Tom, so I attacked him with a baseball bat. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, like, you, there was that shot uh, towards the end when Bernie leaves where Chris's parents look outside and they they clearly like Bernie. Like I feel like you were meant to infer that her parents approve of Bernie and really hope that they that he asks Chris out one day. Yeah, I mean he probably sticks out different than, you know, a lot of people in a neutral colony, so he was I guess noticeable as, as far as gentlemen callers who've come to her yeah. house maybe. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe they're also excited on another level because, you know, she's always working. You know, she's always doing whatever f- simulation stuff she's doing for the Federation. You know, right. now that yeah. this guy's here, like, and they're getting along. Like, wow. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, all right, Isaac, how many Haros would you give this show? I would give this show five out of five Haros. It's just so well done. I don't even want to say it's short and sweet. It's short and not even bittersweet. Short and sad, but a very beautifully done story and uh, very powerful. Yeah, I think I would agree. I think I would give it a nine and a half out of 10 Haros. So this is uh, yeah. up there, everyone, of uh, I think one of the better series. Even though it's very short, uh, it has something to say and it says it and then it leaves. Yeah. <laughs> Mandatory viewing for Gundam fans. Yeah, I think it has a little bit of everything, right? It's got a good story. It's it's very sad. But it's also got a lot of lore in it, even though it doesn't directly affect the war. You know, you get to find out about the Alex. And everyone after they saw this, Isaac, everyone always asked. I and mean, we did a whole episode on it. Like, what would happen if Amuro had the Alex, right? Yeah, yeah. No Zeon would be left alive. Apparently not, no. Great mecha designs. You know, it's not every day you get a good story and mecha, mecha designs that you love, right? So 
Right. And uh, one thing they didn't show, I guess, for time reasons and just pacing is uh, what happened to Killing? What happened to Commander Killing Granada, who was, mm. in a way, behind the whole thing? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. According to what I read, he, uh, you know, took a pistol and put it to his head. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting end for the guy. He, he was the one that wanted to use a nuke, right? Yeah. I think when he found out Giran died, he, he did that, or when the war was lost. Which yeah. I, I assume was the easy way out because the Federation knew that a nuke was on the way. So then the right. question was, who 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 who's behind this? Yeah, once they connected to him, all, all that's yeah. over. So interesting would, change in confidence for the, the yeah. man who wanted to use the nuke. Yeah, there was an execution waiting for him regardless of, you know, what happened. I mean, unless he got to Axis or whatever, but we have no idea how he'd be treated there if, you know, Axis leadership found out that he was trying to use a nuclear weapon on a neutral colony. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of bombs, last funny tidbit I will leave you with. Uh-oh. If you go on the, on the wiki, there's a there's a screenshot of the Hygog firing the rocket. Yeah. And on the rocket is written the message, receive my love. <laughs> <laughs> Was this Strauss's rocket or Steiner's? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> I assume Strauss. they all have, you know, funny phrases written on them, but. Yeah, those rockets were pretty cool. What a cool little attachment that's like very gog, high gog specific, you know? We never see that anywhere else. Yeah, it's kind of like the amphibious equivalent of a Sturmfaust or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the Panzerfaust thing, yeah. Good point, good point, yeah. Well, alrighty, listeners, if you've got any comments, thoughts on 0080 War in the Pocket, we'd love to hear them. I think one of maybe our biggest criticism of the show, Isaac, seems to be Bernie's ultimate reasoning for fighting rather than going to the Federation. So what's your what's your take on that? You know, do you love the mecha designs? Anything about 080, love to hear about it. Definitely tell us what you felt after watching it. You know, it's emotional tone wise, it, it might be in its own category in Gundam. Oh, and then the last thing, Isaac, is Merry Christmas, listeners. This was the Christmas uh. show. <laughs> <laughs> Let us hope that uh, the nuke doesn't go off tonight on Christmas night, and to all a good night. <laughs> There's a lump of coal in our hearts. <laughs> the, the most horrifying part of his like nuke vision was um, when he was imagining his classroom. Oh, right? yeah, he, he watched his uh, classmates get incinerated. That was Yeah, horrible. they all kind of huddled, and then I think the teacher tried to run over to the students, and then by that point, you know, the, the blast reaches them. Yeah, oof. It was like the Terminator 2... <laughs> <laughs> nuke dream that but in a child's mind <laughs> ay, ay, ay. yeah and on that we end it <laughs> all right everybody don't forget before you go to sleep tonight stand next to your bed salute that frame picture of amuro ray the greatest of all time and recite our federation pledge into the night captain bright lundo bell zeon fell liberty and justice amuro trust us you said your farewell now we'll give him hell good night everybody Merry Christmas, everybody, and have a a, a nuclear new year. <laughs> <laughs>